You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn Midtown. In this series, we are following Jesus as He calls us to take on His yoke so that we may experience true flourishing. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Matthew 8, 1 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in the bulletin or on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible agony. He said to him, am I to come and heal him? Lord, the centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I, too, am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. A scribe approached him and said, "'Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go.' Jesus told him, "'Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, "'but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head.' "'Lord,' another of the disciples said, First, let me go bury my father.' But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. Hey, what a wonderful opportunity is for us to go before the Lord, asking him to soften our hearts, to uh, allow them to be susceptible to his word. Pray with me. Gracious Father, thank you for your word and for this opportunity to dive into your word. I pray, Father God, that you would... uh, Allow a seed to be sown that will fall on fertile soil. Um, I am desperate for you, Lord, to use my mind to think after your thoughts and my lips uh, to speak what you uh, want me to say. And Lord, I'm desperate for you and uh, to do amongst your people what only your spirit can do, to point us to hope, to point us to healing, to point us to a vision of discipleship that is an invitation to abundant life. I know that even right now that this is a spiritual moment in which we have a real enemy that seeks to distract, that that seeks to uh, tell us lies, that, that, that seeks to undercut what you would want to do in us through your spirit. So we beg you, we beseech you, Lord, to give us abundant life through your word. 
I thank you for this church. I thank you for sojourn. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to build a hedge around us to protect us, to, to, to empower us to be missional, to empower us to see you and to be filled uh, with your glory for your namesake. In Jesus' name, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jamal, and I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn, and uh, I'm glad that you're here. I pray that a song will be sung or a word that will be, would be spoken that will enrich your life in Christ Jesus. Uh, so I grew up in Chicago, in the Chicagoland area, and uh, I remember one 4th of July, my father decided to throw this huge 4th of July party. And this was kind of normal for us. Our house was kind of the kicking spot for our family and for our friends for holidays. But this year, he went all out. I mean, we had so much barbecue, so much food. We were playing spades and basketball. It was just a, it just filled up our block. And it was sometime before, maybe the year before, that the uh, city of Chicago, and specifically the area that we lived in, they gave a long list of fireworks that were outlawed. And they decided that things were just too loud in certain areas. So they gave a very detailed list um, that these fireworks will be outlawed. And there's going to be a strict adherence to this rule or you will face a hefty fine. And so as we're out there hanging out, having a good time, my father starts doing fireworks. And I mean, it just starts going crazy. I mean, it's just so loud. Boom, 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 boom. And we're just having a great time. And all of a sudden, the officer shows up at our gate and uh, asked to see the boxes that the fireworks were in and then takes the fireworks and essentially tells us that if we uh, set off another firework like that, that we will find ourselves in trouble. So suddenly this loud, big party that was punctuated by these big bangs kind of came to a halting stop. And we couldn't be upset because we knew this new law and chose not to, to enact on it. And this officer had the uh, power and it was within his rights to, to make sure that it was being kept. And if we didn't keep it, uh, he could get on his radio, make a phone call. There could be more officers there. Uh, he didn't give a fine, but he could have gave us a hefty fine. In essence, he was acting according to his authority. In Matthew, we see that Jesus also um, is, is making a point, or the author Matthew is making a point, that Jesus is is a man of authority. He is a man who has the backing of a, a number of different things that point us to the fact that he is the long-awaited Messiah who has come to give Israel hope. And so when Jesus shows up in the scene, according to Matthew's uh, letter, uh, Matthew is making the proof that Jesus is, has been called here, and, and because he has this authority, what he says goes. And Matthew has been showing us that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah who gives hope, and he's the one who has authority all throughout his letter. He shows us that Jesus is the one who has authority in chapter 1 by pointing to the genealogy of Jesus, which points and proves the point legally. Legally, Jesus lines up with what has been said about the Messiah. In chapter 18 through chapter 2, verse 23, Matthew makes the point that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that everyone is, is looking towards uh, for hope uh, by pointing us to the fact that Jesus fulfills um, all the prophecies of the Old Testament. So Matthew is pointing us back prophetically and showing us that Jesus is the Messiah. 
We see in chapter 3 that not only is Jesus the Messiah legally and prophetically, but that Jesus meets the criteria of the Messiah divinely. Uh, We see that Jesus is baptized, and at his baptism, God the Father speaks up and says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Not only does Jesus meet the criteria of Messiah uh, divinely, but we see in chapter 4 that Jesus meets the criteria of Messiah spiritually. He goes out to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And the Bible says that, that Jesus, after these 40 days of intense temptations, that he does not give in to sin. He is the better Israel that will not fall to Satan's schemes. But not only is Jesus the Messiah because he uh, fulfills the messianic call legally and because he fulfills this uh, messianic call uh, uh, spiritually uh, and that he fills this messianic uh, uh, call divinely, but we also see that he fulfills this messianic uh, call because of his ability to, to lead spiritually. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, We have some of the most poetic and beautiful words in all of Scripture, words that lead Jesus' audience to conclude this in verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like the scribes. Jesus is the Messiah Because Jesus fulfills the Messianic role legally, prophetically, divinely, spiritually, theologically, and today we're going to learn supernaturally. That Jesus is not just one who comes with great words, but he comes with great deeds. And that this Jesus whom Matthew is putting before us is a Jesus who has all authority and all power in his hand. And the point of today's text and the point of what we're looking at is that Jesus has, has the power of disease, over disease, but that ultimately that Jesus is the one who heals us and gives us hope. He is the one who deals hope generously. And that's the title of today's, today's text or sermon is Jesus the, Jesus the Hope Dealer. Jesus the Hope Dealer. Uh, Matthew is going to show us that Jesus is, is constantly giving hope to his people by fulfilling these messianic calls, by, by healing people, by delivering people, by pushing back the darkness. Matthew is letting us know that God's kingdom has, has invaded and that where the kingdom of God is, people should respond with repentance and with allegiance. In fact, we are going to see in this text a number of different scenes. And in each scene, Jesus is going to be met by needy and broken people, uh, people who have been ostracized, people who have been socially outcast, people who who doesn't fit into this world's kingdom. And it is Jesus, this this Messiah who has come to say, my kingdom is, is full of people who are broken and who are mourning. My, my kingdom is, is marked by people who are poor in spirit. My, my kingdom is, is marked by people who are ethnically outcast and, and socially overlooked. My kingdom is not like the world's kingdom, and it is these people that are called blessed. These people that I extend hope to. All of us in here have a hope meter, and most of us in here, I believe, because we stay in the day and age, which is, 
is filled with darkness and cynicism, our hope meter is probably running a little low. Some of us, our hope meter is running low because we are facing some physical uh, abnormality. Uh, we feel it in our body. Perhaps it's, it's cancer or arthritis. Perhaps it's a diseased child. Perhaps it's a mental illness or depression. Other of us, we are, are feeling a bit hopeless today because spiritually we have gone dry. This God who used to seem so near and so close seems so far away. Other of us, us, we seem a little hopeless today because we look at the, what's going on socially in the world and we, we wonder, does God see us? Does God care? Is there hope? Will things always remain this way? For some of us, we feel hopeless today because emotionally we just feel like a wreck. We are doing everything we can to, to try to be stable, but it seems like we are on an emotional roller coaster. And what Satan will want us to do is to leave this place today hopeless, cynical, bitter, frustrated, non-forgiving, dazed and kind of walking through our Christian life as if we have not received the answer. And God's invitation to you today is to behold your Jesus, who is absolutely amazing, who welcomes those who feel hopeless and who invites you to place your faith and trust in him and not in the shifting things of this world. Matthew's main point is found in verse 17, where once again he puts before us an Old Testament passage to root us in truth. Verse 17 says, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weakness and carried our diseases. Matthew is pointing us back to Isaiah 53, that that great song of the, the suffering servant who is to come, who would be bruised for our iniquities and our transgressions. And he says it is through his weakness, pointing us to Calvary's cross, it is through his weakness that our diseases will be carried. One theologian says this at the center of the Christian Bible Four Gospels describe the pains God has taken to defeat sin and its wages. The very shape of these Gospels tell us how much the pains matter. The Gospels are shaped as passion narratives with long introductions. I love that. Ah, This text is a long introduction and a part of many narratives that are long introductions to the passion narrative, to the narrative that, that show us a suffering Savior who is willing to go up Golgotha's hill and, and take the punishment that we deserve so that we could go free. This text is a reminder that hope is faith standing on its tiptoes. Hope is living with the reality that God is working all things for our good and his glory. Faith is an attitude that says, for all I trust him. It is confidence that God will work out what he has said he will, even though we cannot see it. And this text invites us to root our faith in Jesus and to rediscover our hope by seeing how amazing he is. Three stories, three broken 
people, all who find Jesus to be tender. The prophet Isaiah says, a bruised reed he will not break. Are you cynical today? Are you broken today? Are you frustrated today? Are you hopeless today? Are you wondering today if God sees you, knows you, feels you, cares for you? I say, look to Jesus. Matthew lets us know that Jesus not only has an amazing uh, orthodoxy, but he is a God of orthopraxy. He is not only a God uh, who sits on a mountain, who teaches, but he's a God who goes into the valley and who meets us where we are. Isn't it amazing that the first miracle that we see here after Jesus is done teaching is the miracle of a, a leper being healed, a leper, a leper. We read in Leviticus this word about a leper, chapter 13, verse 14, the person who has a case of serious skin disease is to have his clothes torn and his hair hanging loose, and he must cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. He will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp, a leper. A leper was the most pitiful person in all of Israel except for those who were deceased. According to a, the law, a leper had to remain outside of the camp because of their skin condition. According to the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, uh, leprosy today, which is called Hansen's disease, is not uh, as, as scary as it was in first century Judea. Because of modern medicine, uh, leprosy is not highly contagious, and people who have it um, have a high chance of being cured, at least of having it not spread. But in first century Judea, a leper was considered to be a person who was walking but dead. In fact, a leper couldn't come within six feet of a person without screaming at the top of his voice, unclean. And if the wind was blowing, it was said that lepers had to stay 150 feet away from people. Lepers were hopeless. Lepers were ostracized. Lepers were despised. Lepers were oftentimes hated. And can you see this leopard hearing about this Messiah, hearing about this Jesus who shows up to a banquet in his wedding party, on the biggest day of their life, they, they, they run out of wine. And as a Jewish person, you can run out of a lot of things, but you don't run out of wine. Wine was symbolic of joy. And they run out of wine. And what does Jesus do in order to save face for this couple who would have been ostracized in an honor and shame uh, society for running out of wine? What does he do? He turns water into wine to restore their dignity and to give them hope. This leper heard about this Jesus who can turn H2O into a, 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 a fermented process that will, would lead it to being delicious wine, this leopard. Perhaps from his grandmother heard about this Jesus who one day was on the edge of the seashore and who called out to some fishermen who had given up hope on catching fish. And he simply said, cast your net to the right side. And they cast their net to the right side and the fish overtook their net so much so that they didn't have room enough to receive. This, this leper comes running to this man named Jesus who he heard teaches in such a way that, that it was a, a deciphering difference between him and the Pharisees. This leopard is desperate. This leopard is broken. This leopard 
would be hopeless except he has heard of Jesus and he comes and he asks Jesus to 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 make him clean. But notice what he does. He, he falls to the floor and he says, Lord, if you are willing. So he understands that Jesus is able to make him clean. And it's not a, a matter of if he can, but it's a matter of if it's his will. This leper breaks protocol. This leper understands that Jesus is his exclusive hope. See, faith this chapter teaches us, shows up in a number of different ways. One, it shows up in humility. It shows up with us coming to an end of ourselves. Two, faith shows up not only in humility, but faith, faith shows up in exclusivity. Faith, saving faith, is only found in Jesus Christ. Faith, saving faith is, is found in in a particular person. We don't have faith in faith. We don't have faith in our good works. We don't have faith in meditation. We can't have faith in ourselves. Faith must be found in Jesus. Friedrich Brunner says, faith is not a general belief in God. It is a particular trust in God's son and his ability to help us with our deepest need. Faith is not saving faith. If it's in Jesus plus Muhammad, Jesus plus Buddha, Jesus plus Confucius, there is only faith in Jesus. There is only faith in Jesus. This leper has a particular faith in Jesus, and Jesus meets this leper where he is. And he is gracious to him, and he says these words, I, I am willing, be made clean. And not only does he say these words, but he touches this leper. He touches this person who is contagious because Jesus' power is more contagious than our brokenness. And he touches this person who is seen contagious without uh, uh, actually being affected by, by his brokenness. Ultimately, what Matthew is showing us here. It's not simply that Jesus heals us from our physical diseases, but that Jesus has come to do something much more deeper. Jesus has come to bring reconciliation between us and God. Jesus has come to bring reconciliation between us and other people. See, leprosy was, was actually an analogy of sin. Sin binds, blinds, and grinds. Sin separates us from God and other people. Leprosy throughout the Old Testament is not just seen as a, as a physical disease, but it points us to a, a deeper spiritual issue. That's why the leper, when he shows up, he doesn't say, Jesus, Jesus, heal me. Isn't it interesting that he says, Jesus, make me clean? doesn't just say simply, Jesus, heal my skin, reverse my skin's pattern. He says, no, 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 Jesus, give me, make me clean. Uh, 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 take me from outside of the camp and bring me back near into the people of God. Give me an opportunity to, to behold the temple of God. Restore my relationship with God so that I'm able to come and to, to make sacrifices. Jesus, make me clean through and through. This is a, a picture of what Jesus has come to do. He has come to make those who are unclean clean. He has come to justify those who are not justified, those who cannot stand before God. And be accepted. 
My question for you is, are you broken? Are you poor and needy? Do, do you feel disease through and through? And if so, my encouragement to you is to run to Jesus and to see that he welcomes you in all of your brokenness. He welcomes you to anchor your faith in him so that you can find hope. 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 And that's not just a call for those who have never placed their faith in Jesus. That's a call for those who have placed their faith in Jesus but who feel hopeless today because you feel the weight of your own sinfulness, perhaps the weight of your own self-righteousness, the, the weight of your own harshness of language, the, the weight of your own gluttony, the, the weight of your own sexual sin, the, the weight of your own brokenness. The psalmist felt this weight. And he came to, to God in the song, in Psalm uh, 38, just like this leper came before Jesus. And I love how it starts in verse 4, for my iniquities has flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am bent over and brought very low all day long. I go around and mourning for my insides are full of burning pain and there is no soundness in my body. I am faint and severely crushed. I, I groan because of the anguish of my heart. Lord, my every desire is in front of you. My, my sighing is not hid from you, for I put my hope in you, Lord. You will answer me, my Lord, my God. So I confess my iniquity, and I am anxious because of my sin. We all are like this leper. We all have been impacted by the fall Physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And we all will groan and decay and fester away in our own foolishness if not for Jesus. And God's invitation for you today is to praise him for sending his son. To praise him for sending his son, the one who, is, who says, though your sins be as red as scarlet, I have made you white and as snow, if you confess your sins, I am faithful to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If my people who are called by my name would, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and pour out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. The gospel says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you hope. In Christ, you have a mediator who came, though he was fully clean, to take upon your uncleanness so that you who is unclean can be declared clean before God so that on your worst days before God, you are celebrated by God your Father as his very own. And he empowers you through his grace to pursue holiness as a result of the gift that he's given in his son. Jesus comes to restore. He comes to restore this leper who is physically diseased and outcome, an outcast. And a quick 2,000 view, uh, aerial view of the next story is he, he not only comes to restore those who are physically outcast, those who are physically hopeless, but he also comes to 
to restore those who are ethnically outcast. It's in the text. The next story is the story of a centurion who was a Gentile, who was also on the outside of Israel, and who has heard about this Jewish rabbi who's not like the other rabbis and not like the others in that he, he seems to just be filled with mercy and filled with love. And this Roman centurion who has been hearing just like this leper about this man named Jesus has enough faith to believe that this, this Jesus is just filled with love and compassion so much so that he too is willing to, to break protocol and to be seen as a Roman centurion in front of Jesus. So in another gospel account, we hear that this centurion sends his soldiers to Jesus to ask Jesus on his behalf to heal his servant. Matthew here does not mention his servants, but he mentions the centurion uh, directly, and that's not a contradiction. I believe that Matthew is just uh, kind of summarizing the story to make it quicker. And Matthew's point here is this, is that this outside Gentile who was not a proselyte, who had not been circumcised, who had not gone through a ritual cleaning, who identifies with Rome, who was being looked down by all uh, other Jewish leaders, finds an embrace in Jesus because he has faith. And that what's going to justify this centurion is not circumcision, is not ritual cleaning. What's going to justify this centurion is his faith in Christ alone, by grace alone. And Jesus' point here is this, see in verse 10, is that Jesus has come to give hope for those who don't fit in ethnically because Jesus' kingdom is, is not for a specific group of people, but it is for a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And what Jesus is doing is he is, is working from the inside out, building a, a kingdom that will cross boundaries and barriers, and he is a Messiah that has not come to appease uh, the, the religious people of his day, but a Messiah who has come to bring salvation to the world, that all who look to his cross and to look to him for salvation, that they will find it. So Jesus goes on to say, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great faith. What was so great? What was so great about this centurion's faith? I mean, it's assumed that this leper that just was healed had, was, was, was Jewish and that he had great faith. How, how could Jesus, how could Matthew write that this centurion's faith was even greater than this leper's faith? What, what is it about this centurion's faith that, that makes it so great? What makes the centurion's faith so great is the fact that the centurion gets authority. Whereas Jesus has healed a man from touching him, Matthew is now showing that Jesus is so bad. Jesus is so powerful that all he has to do is just speak a word. I mean, after all, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among. Jesus is the, the manifest logos of God. He's the manifest word of God. He is so amazing that all he has to do is speak it. This centurion gets it before anybody else in Israel gets it. He gets it that Jesus is not just, just simply a, a, a prophet 
or a, a rabbi or a teacher, he's on to something that Jesus is even greater than that, that Jesus is able to say, be healed. And from, from miles away, that word that he speaks is able to heal someone who is paralytic and, and hopeless. Jesus is able. And Jesus marvels at this man's faith, and he says, listen, I tell you that many will come from the east and the west to share in the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what does he do? He, he shows us past the borders of Israel to the east and to the west that this kingdom of God is an ethnic, diverse kingdom made up of a people from every nation and tongue. That's what he's going to end with in Matthew 28. This is a great theme in Matthew that Jesus came first for his own people, but that some of his own people would reject him and that his kingdom would expand to, to the entire world. But verse 13 points to the centurion's faith. Jesus said, go as you have believed. Let it be done for you. And Jesus is inviting you today to recover your belief, to recover your hope, to come from the clouds of cynicism, to come from the clouds of nihilism, to come from the clouds of, of hopelessness and to rediscover your first love, to see that Jesus is not only able, but that he is willing. And to see that if Jesus allows suffering and pain and persecution to be present uh, in your life right now, it's not because you are forgotten. It's not because you're too undone. It's, it's not because that, that there's nothing uh, uh, lovable uh, 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 within you. Yes, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But, 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 but Jesus loves us because he sees us, because he is love. No, God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God is not afraid of your mess. God is not afraid of your sin. God is calling you to see that he is in the process of making all things well. And, and if you have a physical illness, a mental illness, a, a social illness, a, a, if you feel like an outcast, like you've been forgotten about and like God uh, uh, is, is not for you to remember that it is just a matter of time before Jesus shows up. And that if, if these things remain unresolved on this side of heaven, that you, that you are a part of a kingdom that is working to bring redemption to your ailing body and ailing soul, and that one day you will be given a mind where all of your emotional faculties and all of your spiritual faculties and all of your physical faculties will be fully restored, and he then will wipe away every tear and heal every manner of disease, and that in which you have placed your hope will be before you face to face. Don't allow Satan to steal your Jesus. Don't allow the news cycle to steal your confidence in his kingdom and the effectiveness of his church. Matthew goes on to show that Jesus is a bad man by quickly pointing to Jesus healing Peter's mother. Jewish rabbi touching a woman who has a fever, which would have been a social taboo, does it, and he heals her. And she, in response for being served by him, will now serve him. 
And then it goes on to say that when evening comes, there are many who are demon-possessed. Now look at what the text says, and he drove out the spirits. That's pointing to his authority. Jesus, Jesus is not a punk. Jesus is not scared of the enemy. He drove them out. He drove out the strong man because he is stronger than the strong man. He drove them out. Once again, with the word. And he healed all those who were sick. And he's going to do it ultimately in his cross. It's at the cross that we find holistic healing. It's at the cross that we find ethnic healing. Paul's going to say in Ephesians chapter 2 that it's through the cross that God has abolished the, the dividing wall of hostility. It's in Christ's body that the two, Jew and Gentile, become one flesh. While Christ was being killed, he was killing the wall of hostility. Finally, just threw my notes all away. I'm, I'm all off. Amen. <laughs> We're going to find a way to land this thing. Amen. <laughs> Y'all so crazy. Uh, let's, let's look at this last section. Jesus says in verse 18, when Jesus saw a lot, I just love Jesus so much. Amen. <laughs> this text is so good. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he a, a hope healer? And a hope dealer. And God's invitation for us is to, to get our eyes off of, off of, all. And it's a lot. All. All that is wrong all the time. And to set our affections, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, on him. On the things that are above. To meditate on that which is true and lovely and beautiful and honorable. My fear is, is that we live in a time and in a society as Christians where, where, where practically we are, we are agnostics. Well, practically we, we are living as atheists, as if God has not sent hope, as if God has not sent his Messiah, as if God has not promised that he is in the process of making all things right, as if God's kingdom is not simply a kingdom of talk, but one, one of power, as if, if God has not called his people to pray and to believe that he will use them to make an impact where they are, as if we are not a part of a, of a burning movement. And a people who will not be defeated or be destroyed. The kingdom of God, yes, it suffers violence, but it's the, the violent that take it by, by force. And the weapons of our warfare is not carnal, but powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. As we take every thought captive, yes, it may be true that I am, I am hurting, but it's, but it's also true that I am, I am healed. Yes, it may be true that this world is broken, but it's also true that as this world is groaning with, with groans and, and, and desires for redemption, that God is in the process of, of redeeming. Yes, it may be true that things are hard, but it's also true that we serve one who's, whose burden is light. So what is Jesus calling us to do? He's calling us 
to wrap our hope, wrap our identity, wrap our allegiance, wrap our, our faith around him. And how do you know when you've wrapped your allegiance and your faith around him? It's because you're willing to follow him to the hard things of life. J.C. Rowell writes this, nothing, in fact, has done more to harm Christianity than the practice of filling the ranks of, Christian, of the Christian army with every volunteer who is willing to make a little profession. <laughs> a little profession. I think that's why Matthew does this. Throughout chapter 8 and chapter 9 and in chapter 10, we see Jesus doing these amazing miracles. And in the midst of these amazing miracles, we just have these sections of Jesus calling people to be disciples. It's as if Matthew is is trying to teach the church and the reader, yes, Jesus is amazing and he did all of these healings to make a point in order to show that God's kingdom is here and that one day it will be fully realized and it's a foreshadowing of a kingdom where there is a full restoration. But I believe what Matthew is doing here is showing us that allegiance to Jesus is not simply Because he is a miracle worker. Allegiance to Jesus, um, it requires sacrifice. It requires us to submit to his lordship. We don't just simply follow him because of what he can do. He is not a genie or a a ATM or or, or, uh, 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 McDonald's. He is a lord who who calls us, even in the midst of our, our brokenness, to to surrender to him fully, to invite him into our homes. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, to invite him into our kitchen, to invite him into our living room, to invite him into our bedroom, to invite him into our classroom, to allow him to make his home in us completely. To allow him to be our life, not simply a part of our life. How? 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 How is it that Jesus is so amazing and we treat him like Kroger's? How is it that he's so amazing, so amazing, I treat him like the gym? How, How is it that he's so so, 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 so amazing. I treat him like an online course. You know what I'm talking about. We, we, we kind of just treat him as, as something we can just go to when, when he's convenient or when he fits into our agenda or when he fits into our, 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 our comfortable uh, uh, little lives. No, Jesus said, no, no, no. You want to follow me. You let me into your house and, and you give me permanent, permanent residence. He said, I'm not a weekend flame. So amazing that true disciples see him as Lord and they don't make excuses. This may be some hyperbole that he's using here. Let the dead bury the dead. Perhaps he saw something in his man that was making an excuse. Perhaps uh, this man's father was still living and he's saying, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to come to church. You know, I'm going to follow you, um, you know, after I buried my father. This man could have been 15. This father could have been 40. Jesus is like, what you talking about, boy? (laughs) 
Stop making excuses. Or perhaps it's not stop making excuses. Perhaps what Jesus is doing here is saying, if you understood who was inviting you to follow me, your love for your father will feel like hate because your love for me is so great. Perhaps Jesus is doing what he does later when he say, unless you hate your mother and father, unless you hate your brother and sister, you are not worthy enough to follow me. And of course, Jesus is not calling us to hate our father, to hate our mother, but what he's calling us is to supreme allegiance in him. And the way in which we secure our hope is by giving our allegiance to him, not out of guilt or condemnation or shame, but out of appreciation of the fact that the God of this universe humbled himself, became a man, submitted himself to death, though he reigned over death, submitted himself to ridicule and shame, was bruised for our iniquities, was chastised in order to bring us peace. God's call is for us to see what he's done for us and to say, Lord, all of me is you. All of me, every area of my life. Through your spirit, I want to submit it to you. Like that leper, I'm coming to you saying, Lord, take it. Take this little black box that I'm holding on to. Take it. Take this bitterness that I won't let go. I'm holding on to it. Take my brokenness. Take my marriage. Take my children. Take, take it all. It's, it belongs to you, Lord. Take I'm tired, of, I'm tired of holding on with control. Just take it. Take the control. Take my tendencies. Take my self-protection. Take, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. I don't want it. Take it. Take it, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Every Sunday we celebrate this Jesus who says, I'm willing And who, even though we are dirty, pronounces us clean by taking a meal called communion. Uh, just like lepers had to go to priests to kind of show themselves to the priests um, as, a, as, a, as a way in which of being declared right by the priest and entering into community. Um, every Sunday we take a meal. And this meal is a, a symbol that reminds us of the fact that we have been justified. We have been declared clean by God. And we show ourselves to each other and to remind ourselves um, with this meal, remembering his broken body and his shed blood. Here at Sojourn, we take a piece of bread, we dip it in wine. The wine is marked by juice. Oh, the wine is marked by twine. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> Whatever, y'all so crazy. Whatever your conscience permits. Y'all don't allow me to make no mistakes without laughing. What's up with that? Uh, we take this meal in remembrance of him. Uh, and though we laugh, it is a solemn reminder of God's faithfulness and God's unwavering, unpenetrable, uh, impenetrable, impenetrable, troll. you got it, <laughs> love for us. Those in front come to the front, back go to back, gluten-free communions to my left. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for uh, just this picture of, of hope. Thank you for this good news, uh, which says that we are, are made right with you, not by works or deed or human effort, but by your shed blood. Because of your blood, um, we, uh, we have a right to the tree of life. In Christ's name, amen. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn in Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.